Uh, I honestly couldn't think of a better title for today's message than what my Bible had this passage of scripture titled as, and it's just using your light. Why do we have the light? Why has God given it to us? And, and what are we supposed to do with it? Well, it talks about using your light. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to join me in Luke's gospel, the eighth chapter. And we're going to study this together this morning about using your light. Last week, we looked at the parable of the sower. And you may remember we learned there were four types of soil that Jesus described that hear the word of God preached. The, the seed is the word of God. And we hear that there are four types of soil then that hear the word of God. And in that soil, we talked about being the good soil that received the word of God, that was ready then to have the word of God implanted in our lives and bring back to, to the Lord, producing what the Bible says is a hundred times more than was sown in our lives. Well, when, when Jesus continues that, the very next thing that he talks about is using our light. And it's gonna be a very short passage compared to what we looked at last week, but it's so important for us because God didn't give us the word and, and save us so that we could just be saved. I mean, that would be great and that would be enough for us, I think, but there's something that we're then called to do. So let's read verse 16 of Luke's gospel, chapter eight. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who may come in may see its light. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to the light. Therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has, more will be given to him. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken from him. In the context of what we studied last week, we must then think of ourselves as the lamp. You know, Jesus saying, once you receive the word of God, the lamp is lit. Well, what are we lit with? We're lit with the word of God and we're lit by the Lord. And we can think about us being called, as Jesus said, to provide light to the world. You remember Jesus said that he was the light of the world. Well, he says to us, we are literally the light of the world. In Matthew's gospel, he uses that word specifically in the Beatitudes. He says, you are the light of the world. Think about it that way. You are the light of the world. And when we read this passage, now we're getting a little bit of purposeful understanding of, of what we're to do. It is our purpose. If we understand our purpose, then I think it helps us to deal with the everyday situations that we face because we know that we're on mission. We know that we're walking in purpose. We know that we're pleasing the Lord as we do these things. And there are a lot of things for us to see and then kind of one big application for us here. But the first thing that I need you to see is that our purpose is actually to be out front and center. Think about it. In a dark world, God has placed his light in you, the light of Jesus Christ in you, not so that you could hide it, but so that you could be out front and center. It says that a lampstand is, is lit so that it illuminates all of the room, right? Do you remember the little song? I won't make you sing it, but this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine and hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. If you haven't taught your kids that when you're great, that's a great one to learn. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a good one because it, it, it reminds us of this scripture. What, what are you doing as the light? You're illuminating something. Last Saturday night, 
as we were kind of shutting down things in the house, getting ready for bed and kind of preparing for Sunday morning, a little storm blew through that was not, I mean, it wasn't all that much to, to think about. I wasn't concerned about it, but all of a sudden the house went dark. So what do you do? Go in maybe like we do. We have a, a little cabinet in our kitchen that has the matches and the candles and the thing that lights the grill and all that kind of stuff. And you go in there and you get a couple of candles out and you start lighting them. And then you realize that Bed Bath & Beyond and Bath & Body Works and Yankee, Hill, uh, Yankee Candle Company, they didn't sell those candles to light anything. They sold them for aroma, right? It's a fragrant thing. They're absolutely awful when you need to light something in the dark, right? It, it just doesn't work. So we lit them and we put them around and then you're kind of still stumbling around in the dark. And, and I, I found a headlamp that we had, you know, and and I was like, I'm just gonna turn this on and I set it on our dresser in our bedroom so that it would throw the light off the, the ceiling and kind of let it splash down around the room so that we could finish getting ready for bed and do all the things, you know, you gotta do, brush your teeth and, you know, you take your makeup, not me, you take your makeup off, you know, and that kind of thing, right? Before you go to bed, you need to see to be able to do those things. That's what he's saying here for us. You put it on the highest spot so that it can be seen. And Jesus is saying to us that we're not to be covered up. Now, I think that, that may sound perfectly normal to you, right? I mean, nobody lights the lamp. I mean, it, it's obvious, Pastor. Thank you for that. I'm, I know that I don't light a lamp or a candle and stick it back in the cabinet. I don't put it under the bed. I need it to illuminate. So I want it front and center, but... If I was to be a betting man, and I'm not, I'd venture to guess that you might not like being front and center all the time. I'd venture to guess that there are just times that you think it's better just to sit back and, and kind of just, just uh, not draw attention to yourselves. And, and for us as, as Christians, our purpose then is to shine the light and so it does feel a little funny because I know that I, I'm not supposed to draw attention to myself. I'm supposed to draw attention to the Savior who is shining through me for the world to see. So that's the qualifier, isn't it? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about me boasting or you boasting. You know, the scripture says, if I boast in anything, let it be in Christ alone. Let me boast in Christ, not in me. But that's not the idea about bragging on ourselves that, that Jesus is talking about here. But we're supposed to be the kind of people that shine in the world. Well, now that immediately puts us into some uncomfortable situations sometimes. Because, you know, it's easy for me to shine the light in here and tell you I love Jesus. And when I'm around, you know, people of faith, that's, that's an easy thing for me. But when you're around people that don't share your beliefs or appreciate where you've come from, is it... Maybe like it is for me a little hard sometimes to want to shine the light. There's a tendency for us to shy away from that. And you know why? Because 99% of you who are in the room today, you don't want to stand out. That's just, that's who you are. Do you remember being a kid and maybe even being in high school and the worst thing in the world would be to feel like if you were standing out, sticking out like a sore thing. Now, some of you, there, there, there's the 1%. You live for it. 
And we all admire you in some way because you're able just to do whatever and pull it off and, and it's wonderful. But for 99% of people, they kind of want to just go with the flow. But I want you to know that Jesus is saying that's an impossibility for the believer. It won't work. It, it's one of those things that brings us into conflict. It means that as a, a teenager, you're going to have to say no to some things that everyone else is doing. It means that as a young adult, you're going to have to live in such a way that maybe brings you into conflict with a decision that's being made at work. It, it means that as a parent, you're going to have to make decisions for your family that aren't always popular, that your children don't understand, that your teenagers don't understand. It means that it puts you into conflict like that. Now, I gotta tell you, most of the time, I'm pretty comfortable in my skin. I don't mind telling you that I'm a pastor if I meet you or or see you out somewhere. I mean, that's not something that I really struggle with. But sometimes, I just kind of want to avoid the situation. You know, if you tell someone you're a banker, people normally don't have a visceral reaction to that. But when you're in the grocery store and somebody says, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Normally what happens is, Somebody starts telling you about all the people they know that are pastors. Like, I care. I mean, that's great. <laughs> wonderful. I'm glad your great, great uncle who you never knew was a preacher somewhere. That's wonderful. Or they go, hmm, that's always fun. Nice to see you too. But guess what? As Christians, sometimes those are the reactions we have. And we might want to avoid that because it's uncomfortable when, when somebody doesn't share those same beliefs with us or, or in fact, they're, they're anti those beliefs because they feel like the church has hurt them or they don't believe that, that God is who he says he is or, or they believe that as, as the narrative is, is coming along now that Christians are harmful to society. When we know that sin is harmful to society. I have to be honest with you, I don't like it. I liked it better when everyone appreciated who we were as believers. I liked it better when that, what, you know why? Because I was comfortable. I didn't like it better because the world was any better, because it wasn't. I liked it because it made me feel better. But Jesus is saying, I've set you up here for this. Now I want you to think about this. We're, we're called not to make people uncomfortable in a bad way, but the very presence of a Christian often makes people uncomfortable. And the only way that people get saved is to get out of the comfort that they're living in. Think about it. That's how you got saved. There was a moment of decision in your life where your comfort and where you were was challenged by the Lord and you had to make a decision. And, and guess what? Jesus left the comfort of heaven. We just sang about it. He left the comfort of heaven, of glory, so that he could come and be around people that would reject him so that he could die for those who were rejecting him. I mean, the idea that we should be comfortable as believers isn't found anywhere in the scripture. So if your goal is comfort, you've come to the wrong place. The goal, the purpose of our lives is to to live and shine the light. We were talking about this the other day as we were planning out the fall of our year 
for the church and thinking about the spring. And one of the things that, that we want to equip you, and we talk about equipping you to tell your story. We want you to be able to tell how the Lord changed your life in two minutes or less. We then want you to be able to tell his story of salvation. And, and we, we point you through that, through some training, through the Romans road, as we call it. You know, it's, I, I'm not like we came up with it, but as it's called, I should say, where we teach you to use the Bible to show people their need for a savior. And, and we've just kind of been working with a guy who's gonna come in and in April of this, this year, Lord willing, this next year, and spend a day with us teaching us a different way for us to share our faith. And, and you say, well, how many ways do you need? Enough till you get it, I guess, right? Enough till I get it. We wanna give you some tools in the toolbox that help you to do that. We, we wanna equip you to do that so that you're comfortable shining the light of Christ. And, and you know, I was, I was thinking about this the other day. I, I've learned so many different ways to share my faith and there's one that I'm most comfortable with. And that will probably be the same for you that will help you to be able to do that. We want you to share the gospel. We want you to be comfortable in making people uncomfortable as they come to a point of decision. Now, there's just maybe two more things to talk about shining the light here, but I think they're important. The first is that there are no secret agent Christians. You're not serving the CIA with an identity that needs to be protected. You're serving the king of kings with an identity that he is saying is to be exposed to everyone. And so for us, when, when we face those moments where we just wanna kinda shrink back a little bit, we've gotta remember that, that we are here on this earth to present the light of the gospel that is Jesus Christ. And no matter how uncomfortable that makes us, it's our job. God has given us this identity. It's the identity of Christ in us. And this pattern kind of that, that we see in, in this idea of like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be saved. I'm gonna keep it to myself. It doesn't belong in the public square. I don't need to allow that to influence how I have friends or, or the places that I go. That, that's just anti-biblical thinking. It's really dangerous for us kind of shows up though, I think, as people think about, well, I got saved, I love people at church, I'll just hang out with those folks. It'll be great. I don't have to worry about the outside. I don't have to worry about any of those things. We'll just form a holy huddle here. It will be glorious. It will be wonderful. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. And I don't think that that starts from a negative place. Do you remember that Jesus one time was on a mountain with Peter, James, and John, and the Bible says he was transfigured before their eyes, and that they also saw Elijah and Moses. And Peter did what any of the rest of you good Baptists would do. Hey, let's build a couple tabernacles up here and never leave. We'll just have one for you, Jesus, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Could it be any better than this? I mean, could it be? It can't be. How, how good would that be? It would be great. But that moment passed because Jesus was saying we have to leave the mountain and go back to where the people are. We have to be there. We have to do that. And that's important for us to see. I want you to listen to what Jesus said about this idea of living in the world but not being of the world in John chapter 17, verse 14. He said, I've given them your word. 
The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. The idea that that God would call us out of the world so that we'd be saved and just form the holy huddle. Did you hear what he just said? I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Leave them in the world, but protect them. There's the difference, isn't it? That Jesus is saying about us, I've I've given my life and my light now to these folks and they're gonna shine in the darkness. Don't take them out because that diminishes the light that the world's going to see, but protect them. Jesus is praying for our protection from the evil one. Let's keep reading. He says, they're not of the world anymore, is what he's saying, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world and I sanctify myself for them so that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Now, we're not in the world. We are not the world, but we're sent into the world. And as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends us. So send I you, he says. You know, it's the same message there. It can't be any clearer. We've been sent into the world on purpose with a mission to shine the light. There's just one last thing about this that I want to mention. It's that God asked us to be lit so that the world would be able to see Jesus through us. Can I read the verse again in verse 16? No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. Now, you notice that it said you don't hide it under a bed or or put a basket on it. In other words, what it's saying is that the light shouldn't be uh, blocked in any way. It, it shouldn't be uh, in, in our lives that things are diminishing the light. Did you notice that? We want people to see the clearest, the brightest light of the gospel in our lives. And we don't want things to cloud it or diminish it. And there's some things that can do that in the life of a believer, aren't there? There can be some things in our lives that we allow in. We can allow relationships that don't honor God to come into our life and it it diminishes our light. It it diminishes our ability to be able to do that. It it could be that we're harboring sin in our lives and, and it diminishes our testimony. It diminishes our witness for us. We don't want that. Whatever might dim our light We want to ask the light of Christ to shine in on that, expose it, and remove it so that our light actually takes over the darkness. Let's read verse 17 as we continue. For nothing concealed, there is nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. And I'm not going to spend too much time on this verse, but it is worth noting that later in Luke's gospel in chapter 12, Jesus says it again. And this time he says it, with a group of Pharisees around and he tells the disciples, look at these guys and be careful because there's not one thing that's hidden that's going to stay hidden. In other words, it will come out. And, and you could take that to mean two different things, couldn't you? It, it could be that there's a, a, a meaning there that in our lives when the light shines on it, you, you can't harbor anything that's going to be hidden. And, and that's certainly true. But there's also something I think Jesus is saying to the disciples as they've been listening to parables that have been given to them. It can feel like these things are hidden from everybody else, Jesus says, but they're going to be 
revealed. And eventually what Jesus was telling them in secret, they were going to proclaim publicly. It, it was going to be out there for the world to see. It wasn't going to be this little light of mine that I get to keep. It was going to be this little light of mine. You're going to understand. You're going to see it all. It will be clear. And you proclaim these things to people. That's a little bit of a comfort to me. Because sometimes there are some things in our lives that we don't understand. You got it all figured out? Is it easy for you? If it is, please see me afterwards. I'd like some help. Because it's not all figured out. It's not always easy, is it? It's not always the easiest thing for us to understand when we're going through because God has revealed so much to us in his word. It's so good, isn't it? That we have God's word and, and we have Christ in our lives. But I think about some of the great things that are still hidden from us. Like, how's God gonna work it all out in the end times? And we get a, a, a glimpse of that and throughout the scripture. We see it some in, in the Old Testament prophets. We see it in Daniel. We see it in Revelation in the New Testament. We hear it from Jesus' own words at the end of the gospels. I mean, but, but there's still some questions that remain. How's God going to bring justice to this world and make it all right? Don't you wonder about that? I do. But we can proclaim that as we begin to understand it. We know that, that right now we kind of have a basic understanding of what God is doing in some of these things, but one day, clearly in the light, we're going to see those things. And, and we may be going through a little bit difficult season of our understanding right now, but it's a little bit like the song says, the shadows actually prove the light. The shadows prove the light, don't they? Those things that we don't understand, that, that we can't quite get a grasp on, or the, the tough times in our lives that, that seem like they're blocking and it just seems like the shadow kind of runs over your life. Jesus is saying, don't worry about it. Because one day, all of that's going to be revealed. Verse 18 it's the last thing I want to focus on with our time together. Because Jesus says, therefore, take care how you listen. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever doesn't have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. Now, this first, first caught my attention a number of years ago when we were going through a, a, a kind of a resetting of our own spiritual lives. I mentioned it actually last week as I was talking about the journaling process of keeping the scriptures, that was the first time that I had ever really read this verse. I breezed by it so many times. I mean, I'd read it, but I'd read it and been like, yeah, I got it, moving on. I don't think I'd ever preached it, but there was something about this that was born from a greater understanding of this verse that began to change my life. When Luke says, take care how you listen, it's a reminder, isn't it? that we often kind of say we're paying attention, but we're really not. I mean, right now, I'm not fooled by the fact that I think that you're all paying attention. Some of you are looking at me and you're smiling and you're on a beach somewhere. <laughs> Some of you just hit a birdie putt at the masters. You say, well, now how do you know that? Well, I've sat in church too. I know what it's like, right? Our minds, while we might be acting like we're paying attention or even believe that we're paying attention, we can be physically present 
And we could be physically present as we read the scriptures in our personal time with the Lord. We could be physically present as we go to life groups or Bible studies or grow groups. And yet it's, it's like we're not really ingesting all that God has for us. When Luke says, take care, he says, watch, look at how you listen. Look at how you listen. That's funny, isn't it? Look at how you listen. Be mindful, be engaged in how you're listening. And the idea became that as God was giving us things in our morning times with him, that we should be responsible for that, if you remember. And that's really where the journaling kind of became from because what I began to understand was that as I was reading my daily devotionals, if I began to write down things that God was speaking to me or verses that he was giving me or prayer requests or, or what started to happen in those little books is it's another sense that you're using, right? Now I'm, I'm not just listening, now I'm doing and I'm active and there's some kinetic things that are going on there and it's just helping me to internalize the word of God again and again. So it's saying give good mental energy to the word of God when it's taught because what are we listening to? We're not listening to me, we're listening to the word of God. When the seed is given to us in the parable of the sower, we want it in our lives, we wanna take in all that we can and we wanna produce a 100 times. That's what we're asking God to do in our lives and so carefully watching or carefully listening to how we pay attention means that we're internalizing it so that we can become further sanctified. Now, sanctified is a big church word. It just means that we're becoming holy like Jesus. That's a process. It's a lifelong process. But as we yield to Jesus' lordship in our lives, we're given more and more. Now, notice what I just said there. If you weren't paying attention, if you aren't looking at how to pay attention, this is me getting your attention, don't miss this. As you yield to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, you're given more and more. That's what begins to happen. As you internalize the word and it changes your life, you're given more and more. Now this is a big deal for a believer because now we have the word of God with more access than we've ever had at any time in human history. You can have the word of God on your computer. You can carry the word of God in your pocket. You don't even need a Gideon's New Testament anymore. That used to be the way. Now you have every translation known to man on your smart device. It's there for you. How many Bibles do you have in your home? How many Bible studies have you sat through in your life? How many Sunday school classes have you sat through? Life group classes, Men's conferences, women's conference. I mean, think about the access that we have to the Bible. Well, now we see there's no reason I shouldn't be growing. There's no reason you shouldn't be growing because God is want us, wanting to conform us to his will. And when he reveals something from his word to us, that's him conforming us to his will. He's shaping our character. But what happens sometimes that we're not growing and we wonder why. Paul dealt with this at the Corinthian church and I wanna just read it for you from 1 Corinthians chapter three. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. In fact, some of you still are not ready because you are still worldly. 
Did you notice there was a holdup in their spiritual growth, their spiritual progression? There was something that was hindering them. And if you, you see it, it says it's because they were worldly people. They were people who had lost sight of what Jesus had said. I've left them in the world. They are not of the world. To be described as worldly is the worst kind of character compliment or, or it's not a compliment. It's a descriptor that you wouldn't want of your life as a believer. Yeah, he or she is a, a nice guy, nice girl. They're, they're kind of worldly though. Not good. When, when, when Paul's saying this to them, he's saying something like, you should be ready for the next step, but we're still back here at, 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 at base number one. We haven't made it to base number two. We haven't got to third base. We're not rounding towards home yet. You're not ready because you're still on the milk. Now, what's he talking about Growing. It's not a numerical thing he's talking about to the church. You guys need more people. He's saying you need to be growing up. I mean, we, we understand that, don't we? I mean, isn't it kind of embarrassing if you're an adult and you still want to order off the kids' menu? Maybe not. Right, I mean, when you, when you go in and you're like, huh, if I tell them that my grandson's in the car, will they let me order off the kids' menu tonight? Because I really like the chicken tenders and the fries. Right? I mean, there's a, there's a moment there of, of growing out of some of those things where we, where we grow into a different place. And they weren't growing in their walk with the Lord. They were hindered by this. Listen to how that last verse, verse three, finishes. For since you were worldly, for since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? They were letting strife and envy overtake them and that was the limiting factor of their growth. What's the limiting factor of your growth? Greed? Gossip? No self-control? What is it? Are you worldly or are you spiritually minded? Because when he says, I'm trying to give you something so that you can grow and you guys can't receive it. Well, for the believer, we wanna make sure that we're taking the word of God, we're internalizing it, hiding it in our hearts. Why does the psalmist say it? So that I might not sin against God. I'm taking the word, hiding it in my heart, walking on the narrow way, walking on the, the path of righteousness as we might think about it. and growing in obedience to the Lord. We, we, we kind of, though, sometimes make a, a little bit of a mistake. I think it's sometimes because we as kind of movie-loving, TV-loving people that we are, we love in the movies when there's the 10-minute workout montage that totally transforms someone's body. They go from dork to superhero ready to fight the villain after lifting weights for 10 minutes. And I mean, it's a great thing, isn't it? But I don't know if you've tried that lately. We, we've got a gym downstairs. You come and be part of fitness classes and different things. We have a weight room down there for you, for you to use, but 10 minutes ain't gonna get you much. Probably not gonna get the transformation that you might be looking for, right? What does happen? It is is that in reality, if you wanna transform something, 
it, it's, not, it's not the 10 minute focus or the one hour focus. It's little by 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 little. And when you do that, it starts to change. People get athletically stronger in the gym who show up regularly to do the work because they're accountable to it. Now, I want you to understand something. Spiritual giants aren't born. We think that sometimes. Oh, I wish I had their faith. Why don't you? I wish my prayer life was like his. I tell you, when she prays, heaven just comes down. Well, why not when you pray? Is it because you don't ever pray? Spiritual giants aren't born. Spiritual giants are made with the Lord. He fashions them. I mean, it, it, it's day by day by day by day by day by day being accountable to it. One trial at a time. One test at a time. One big prayer request answered at a time. I mean, just seeing God do it over and over and over again. Let me read verse 18 again. Therefore, take care how you listen, because whoever has more will be given and whoever doesn't have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. That more is given to you, the more you lean into it. You wanna be a spiritual giant? You wanna grow into something? The man or the woman that God really uses day by day by day by day. Take it, use it, shine it. It's not hard to understand, is it? It's hard to do, right? Because anything that requires us to be held accountable to it, we don't like. We struggle with that, even though we know it's what we need. But there's something here that, the end that I don't want you to miss. He said, the one who, who doesn't have, even what he thinks he has is going to be taken away. There's a, another parable that Jesus uses called the parable of the talents. You may remember it. There's a manager, he's leaving, he's going away and he calls three of his servants and, and there's a, a five talent guy. He says, you get five talents, you're entrusted with it. A three talent guy, a one talent guy. When he comes back, Mr. Five Talents has 10 talents because he's invested and worked wisely. Mr. or Mrs. Three Talents has six talents, invested wisely. The one talent guy though comes back and says, you know what? I know who you are. So I just took this that you gave me and stuck it away. That's all I needed to do. And it's interesting because the, the master, the manager, not happy, and he takes away the one talent and gives it to the guy with 10. It's taken away. Now, we can hold on to any number of things that we might call faith. And I think what Jesus is trying to get us to see here is if we're not shining the light, if we don't understand whose we are in Christ, that we've been bought with a price, that we're saved truly in Christ, anything that we might hold on to as faith beyond the blood of Jesus shed for us, at the end, when everything is revealed and it all comes out, you don't get to keep it. There's nothing to it. I'm not saying this person lost their faith. They were never of the faith. It's taken away. The only hope that we have is for Jesus to save us and for us to have the light of Jesus Christ in our lives and us to be shining the light. And so if we try to make our way any other way, it doesn't work. 
even what we thought we had, will be taken away. I was not um, a superior athlete growing up. I was a, a very average athletic child at pretty much everything. Around our house, though, sports were important because we believed that being on teams taught you things and adversity that came through the trials of sports would teach you things. And so my sister and I were encouraged to play sports a lot, and we did, and, and all those kinds of things. You know, when you're growing up, your parents tell you things that become nauseating after a while. Do you know what I mean? Any of you know who my dad is? Feel free to tell him this, he knows. What's worse is when you start to repeat those same nauseating things to your own kids though. Because now you're double nauseated. You're nauseated that, that you've become your parents and you're nauseated that you believe they were right and you thought they were wrong all of this time. And my dad had this thing that he would say regularly to us. We'd come in from practices. How's practice today? Ah, oh, it's fine, Whatever. I just went through the motions. I, I don't know, it wasn't good, whatever. And he would say, remember, every day, somebody gets better, somebody stayed the same, and somebody got worse. Remember, every day, somebody gets better, somebody stayed the same, somebody got worse. And I would think, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't wrong. You know, in our walk with the Lord, today you have an opportunity to grow. Somebody will grow today. Somebody will have met the Lord and, and listened and watched what they were hearing and, and they'll be ready for the next day because they were growing today. Somebody, they kind of stayed the same, kind of checked out here, but not really here, kind of going through the motions, kind of looks like these people are on the same tracks for a while, but then somebody starts to pull ahead and you are often left wondering over here, well, why, why are the why are they just seeing God do so many wonderful things in their life? Why is God answering their prayers? Why is God... Well, day by day by day by day. I hope that nobody that would be in the room today got worse. Because you're allowing sin to diminish or cloud the light that has been given to you. So I want to ask you just that simple thing. Or are you growing with the Lord today? You staying the same today? Take a step backwards. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we recognize this morning our need for your light to invade the darkness of our souls. And Father, as the light illuminates, you bring to light all kinds of things that you want to deal with, that you're working on dealing with. Lord God, would you have your way in us today? 
so that we can be the light. I pray for the one who is growing today, Lord. And, and they've just heard from your still small voice just a moment ago. You've affirmed them in that. And God, they know it. Give them more today. Let them see greater things in the kingdom. Transform their life. Father, for the one who's kind of stuck in the middle, help us to be accountable to your word. Lord, transform our lives, change us. Let us grow. For the one father today whose light has been diminished because of some poor choices or an unwillingness to let your word invade their life, we pray for them. And we ask God that you would change their life right now. As they repent of sin or attitudes or or thoughts, Lord, begin growing them and let their light shine today. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray.